This week on Missions Today. For me, it's just God reminding me, trust, trust, trust me. Um, you do your bit and then trust me. Trust in what I'm doing. You may not see it, but I am the grand weaver. I'm weaving things across everything that's happening around you. It's been a great journey for me to just learn, to lean on him and trust him. He he loves what we're doing more than we do. So he's more invested than we are and, and he's taking care of the journey. God, the Grand Weaver, what a beautiful picture. And, and when we trust this God, the Grand Weaver, when we trust him, he's going to take care of the journey. If we learn nothing else today, that is worth our time together. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today. This week, we head to the continent of Africa. As a young man, our guest today was determined to get involved in business and commerce, but ultimately, God had other plans. And as God often does, he took our guest on a journey he wasn't expecting. You see, God has a way of merging our passions with our work. And when we will allow God to take us where he wants us, powerful things begin to happen. Our guest today, Mwangi Mathui, is the city director for Resource Global in Nairobi, Kenya. He's responsible for building the cohort mentoring program there, encouraging young business leaders to make a difference through the why and how of doing business, and finding ways to partner with other organizations to impact the city and the culture for Christ. Join me on this journey to Africa. Mwange, welcome to the program. Thank you, Colin. I'm excited to be here with you today. It's great to have you with us. Hey, let's start back in the early days. Tell us a little bit about your growing up years. So I grew up in Christian home. My dad actually was in ministry. And so for a large part of my life, I grew up around church. Um, my dad was involved in a university students ministry. So I grew up around student ministry, um, around the church space, eventually ended up serving even in the church I was in. I was in Nairobi Baptist Church. That's where I grew up. And so it, I guess it eventually came naturally to me to transition into um, church ministry uh, when I eventually moved into the church as a pastor. So let's go back to those middle school, high school years. What, what were some of those days like related to your spiritual life, the kind of home you grew up in, your church, your faith walk? Tell us about that. I think I've always felt one of the biggest challenges you face when you grow up in a heavily Christian environment is that you almost never feel like you have a choice to accept Christ. It's almost like you are, for lack of a better word, born a Christian. And so you don't have a moment where it hits you for a long part, you consider yourself a Christian. But it, it's, it's not until I moved into high school and I'm not in home, I was in a boarding school, and I'm not at home, and you're forced to actually make decisions for yourself, that I began, I guess, experiencing my own form of crisis of faith, asking myself, what do I really believe in? And I found myself for a large part of that time wandering in and out of the faith. I, I must say, I think one of the few things that continued to help me was that I was still involved in church. And so there are people who chose to still walk with me, care for me. And it was towards the beginning of my university life that they helped me fully understand what the gospel really meant for me individually and lead me to making a choice for, is this what you want to choose? Is this what you want to commit to? And this is what it would mean for you. And so I felt nice at that point, finally making the choice for myself, having grown up without really ever knowing how to make that choice. Mm. Talk for a moment about the uh, influences in your life as a young person. Who were some of those people that impacted you growing up? I think the first person for sure would be my dad. Um, I think he modeled for me what it meant to be a Christian man, a, 
a father, a husband, and that has always been the largest influence in my life. I think looking up to wanting to be a father like he was, wanting to be a husband like he was, his commitment to his faith, his choice to serve God, those were big influences in my life. And later on, through my post-high school university life, there was an amazing man at church called Cedric who would welcome us to his home, who would spend time with us, explaining the gospel to us, basically discipling us. And he's been a major influence in my life to date. Just walking with me through different stages of, of life when I wanted to get married, when I was having children, and just guiding me through all the different stages of life. Another would be my youth pastor when I was in a teen in high school. And she was, again, another one who just through their their love, their care, their concern really helped mold my faith such that by the time I was now in university making that choice, the other people who then came alongside me were building on the foundation that had been laid by them. As you moved from high school into university, did you have thoughts about your career path and did that change at all during that time? <laughs> so... Getting into high school, I had dreamt of being a doctor. Um, and then <laughs> in high school, I came to terms with biology and, and chemistry and changed my mind. Um, <laughs> and then I fell in love with business and commerce. It was the first time I got to engage with business and commerce properly, and I loved it to be. And I was so sure this is what God is calling me to. So I finished high school, went to university. I did my undergrad in business commerce and a master's of arts and business and commerce and majored in marketing. And I loved it. By the time I was in my second year out of four years of university, I was already working in a business process outsourcing firm, helping manage the firm. By the time I was graduating, I was already working in an IT company helping in marketing. And so this felt like it was the direction I was moving into. In fact, the business process outsourcing company, I had helped found it. And so, it, I mean, I was just excited to be in this whole business world. It felt like it was what I was built for, what I loved doing. And then one day it all changed. It's amazing how God does that in our lives sometimes. <laughs> you know, talk talk about those early business days. I can hear the passion in your voice about those times. Any lessons you learned during those times? Oof, one of my biggest lessons was that it was not enough to just be talented. I mean, I think I had a natural knack for business. And that made me assume that I was ready to dive deep into business. And so here came someone who wanted to found a, a company, and I believed I had what it took to run the company. And so I jumped into it, and I believed uh, I have enough of what it takes to be successful in it. I, I think it was young naivety. I never spent enough time researching about the industry I just jumped into it. And a few years down the line, three or four years down the line, when we eventually were closing down because the business didn't succeed, it ended up shutting down after about four years. I look back and I'm like, I wish I'd just taken time to research the value in gaining knowledge over and above just raw talent, but also surrounding yourself, I guess, with people who've gone before and not assuming you are, for lack of a better word, just good enough to do it on your own. Yeah. Mm. So tell us what began that change. What began to change your perspective on work versus some other type of mission in your life? I remember one morning waking up, I just I didn't have the zeal to go to work. And I began asking myself, really, is this what I want to do? I felt there had to be more that I was going to do in my life beyond just helping make money for a company just for the sake of it. I didn't see what the bigger picture what we're working towards then was. And after about a week since that day, I, I, I handed in my resignation and I asked to step down uh, without an idea of what I wanted to do next. I just knew this wasn't it. So what was your next step then? So I was idle 
And then I decided being idle is not good. And so I went to church and I asked them, may I volunteer with you? I know you have programs. I know you need volunteers. And to be honest, I don't know what my next step is. And so I began volunteering with them. And I loved it. I, I ended up volunteering with youth ministry and I was enjoying myself a bit. That was about a four-month period. And at the end of the four months, I was like, is this it? Is this what I actually was looking for? Is this what I wanted to do with my life? And I was like, what if I could do this every day? I was like, yeah, this this would be exciting. I would love to wake up to do this every day, to influence the lives of young people and be able to shape them. Um, and so I applied for a church internship program, a pastoral internship program, and they took me on. And, and that's how I found myself within the church space. You know, I love your comments about not being idle. And uh, one of the things we talk about, you work with at Resource Global is about the God's plan for work and importance of work. So I love that you noticed, you know, it's not good for me just to be sitting around. I need to be doing something. What was God doing in your life during that time? What were you learning from God during those moments? I think I had known the door had closed to business. I just didn't know what was the next door. And the more I opened the door in the church space, the more I found joy in it. There are moments I wondered, have I wasted my training and all my experience and knowledge? But it's interesting, the more I spent time within the church space, the more my skills in marketing and business administration were still used. And there were so many programs I was running and my administrative skills came to life there. Being able to, to cause people to be excited about church and Christ and God. And so I still found myself using my skills, my talents in that space, in a space that I had thought that they would be wasted in. And I think God was starting a journey of revealing new giftings to me that I had not known of before. As people pushed me into spaces like starting to preach and teach, and I found myself enjoying and gifted in those areas, areas that I had never known of before. And God awakening this new side of my life that I had not engaged in. So how did you end up transitioning then to Resource Global? So I spent about, from the time I joined the church, about nine years. And it was on the last year again that, similar to what happened to me when I was in business, my joy and zeal for the church space slowly began fading away. By this time, it it was an all-familiar language. I could tell God was speaking to me through it. I think having experienced it before, I knew what was happening. So I was not in shock. I think my question to him was, okay, so I can tell you closing this door. So what next? But again, like he did with me before, he was like, I'm not going to tell you what's next. I just want you to be aware that this door is closing and walk out of it. And so I began a year's transition out of the church. Um, I knew it needed a lot of time because of the relationships that I had built, especially with young people. And I didn't want to just wake up and leave them. So it took a, a nice long transition out. So I stepped out in January of 2020. My son was born that same January. So it took time to first be with him, support um, my wife through that. And about three months after his birth, I, again, found myself idle and I did what I knew, which is volunteer my time up until God tells me what's next. So I began volunteering with different organizations, one of which was Resource Global. So I had been part of a pilot cohort that Resource Global had done in 2019. And I knew Ann Chen, who was at the time leading Resource Global in Nairobi, and so I told her, hey, Anne, I'm, I'm free. I've got a lot of time in my hands. Can I help you? Um, and so I began helping them set up for what they had hoped would be the 2020 cohort. And then COVID hit, and we couldn't launch that cohort in 2020. And then somewhere along that period, um, Anne was stepping out. And Tommy and Anne asked me whether I'd be willing to step into her role in Resource Global. And the interesting thing for me was that I didn't know where God was sending me after Nairobi Baptist, but I knew certain things. I knew I wanted to be involved in mentoring young adults. 
and young professionals as they transition through different stages in their profession. So I was clear on some of the things I knew God was asking me to do after Baptist. I just wasn't clear where. And so it was so interesting when this opportunity came because I was like, this is it. This allows me to do what I know for sure God is asking me to do after I leave the church space. And so it was, again, a God confirming for me the next step of my life. Hmm. So for those not familiar with Resource Global, t- tell us a little bit about your role as Nairobi's city director for Resource Global. Um, so Resource Global hopes to raise a movement of Christian professionals who have understood their role in their different careers and spaces, their role in integrating the gospel into how they work, into what they do as they work, um, and the change and the influence that God is asking each Christian to have in whichever sphere they find themselves in. And so my role in Nairobi is to, is to do that within Nairobi, is to find Christians, train them, equip them, work with churches, organizations that have a similar view to train them, resource them, equip them, so that we have a movement of Christians beginning to happen in Nairobi that begins to change the city by these Christians in different leadership positions professionally taking up their gospel mandate. Yeah, I love that. So, so what did you see? What have you seen in these young business folks as you begin working with them? What what kinds of things do you see God doing? The first big thing I saw was the reality of how big there was a gap with regards to Christians being equipped for work. I began engaging with churches, with different Christian professional bodies, and just realizing how many churches do realize that their congregants are meant to be doing something in the marketplace, but they have nothing in terms of equipping them for it. So the majority of the Christian professionals in the city were not equipped for what it meant to serve God in their professions. And just seeing how big a gap there was, but how much hunger and thirst there was for mentorship, especially. And the number of young Christian professionals who I found who, they were like, I really do want to support. I just don't know how to do it. I just don't know what it means to be a Christian lawyer, for example. And I have no one to guide me and I've not been shown an example of someone who's gone before me who's done this. And for me, it began confirming that God was raising Resource Global in Nairobi at the right time. Because the hunger, the thirst was there. We sent out you know, application invites for our first call for 2021. And we had an overwhelming response. We were way oversubscribed and had to really filter through the subscriptions to end up with 15 members for our cohort. And again, that process when we just confirmed the need is there, the gap has existed, and, and we were in the right place to be able to work with churches, organizations, and Christians in causing this movement to begin in Nairobi. And it's been interesting. It's been interesting seeing the number of churches who've heard about what we're doing and have opened their doors to us and told us, please come and help us equip our congregants, help us set up a marketplace ministry that will help our congregants do what they need to begin doing. It's interesting to see the number of organizations who were involved in some elements of kingdom, business, and faith in, in the workplace coming and saying, I mean, we've been doing this, but we just didn't have the resources and the right people. And you people are what we've been waiting for. And that's been exciting. It's been an exciting journey. We can't wait to graduate our first cohort this September and begin hearing the, the stories of the impact that's causing in different organizations. So we, we're excited to see this begin to unfold. Yeah, that, that is exciting. So, so what does this cohort program look like week to week for those who may not be familiar with a cohort program? First thing is a training so as to give the right biblical foundation for work. Again, it's interesting how many people do not have the right theological or biblical framework for 
God's view of work or what the Bible tells us with regards to work. And so that's the first thing we do, laying that foundation. And so we we have a meeting, a court gathering every month where heavily we are training on those aspects of God and work and your identity and your role in it and your mission or call in work. And then also along the court gatherings, beginning to ask ourselves, what is God calling us to do in the city? What are the areas we are seeing God at, at work? What are the areas God is causing our hearts to be drawn towards what could God be asking us to do in the city so that at the end of the program, we walk with them to develop an action plan for how they intend to, now that they've known what God God's view is and what God may be calling them to do in the city, what is their action plan towards responding to that? And then through the eight months, we, we walk with a mentor with them. So we attach each one of them to a mentor in their different industries who helps them integrate everything they're learning practically. So, you know, I'm an engineer. What does this practically look like for me in the MySpace? And give them someone who's walked that journey before to model it for them, but also to practically guide them on what that looks like. So exciting to hear what's happening with Resource Global around the world and there in Kenya as well. Could you share a story or two about those participating in the work, this cohort program? It's interesting. We we had such a mixture of people in different spaces and different industries. And it's been interesting just seeing as we go through the different topics, what their mindset and mind shift has been like. Just them beginning to see, like, for example, there's one who is in a managerial position and in a creative organization and beginning to see and ask themselves, wow, I'm in an industry, advertising industry that is in Kenya heavily toxic in terms of its culture and beginning to see I've been in this industry for years. I've been a Christian. I've not necessarily been part of the problem, but neither have I been part of the solution. And it's not enough to not just be part of the problem. And him beginning to actively take a role and being courageous to step up and bring people and begin challenging the culture of the entire industry and begin to bring people who perhaps may share some of the same thoughts and, and starting to try cause a shift in culture. And it's, it's, it's interesting to hear such stories because some of them are really courageous, trying to take on a lot. And these are people who would have been comfortable, would have been good Christians, attend church, would never have been bothered with what's happening around them, that have been okay. We had a, a young gentleman uh, in the cohort who worked for a venture capitalist company and was heavily involved in advising companies on where to invest. And he knew that a lot of their advice was generally not super honest. And halfway through the cohort, um, chose to quit his high-paying job over the choice to honor God in his career and step away from what he knew was wrong, yet before he'd have been okay surviving in it. Um, and it's such stories that are getting us super excited at imagining what this happening, you know, three times, four times over in different churches with different cohorts would look like, you know, five years down the road, the kind of impact we would have had. Yeah. Uh, you know, many uh, have heard about challenges in Africa and other parts of the world about corruption, uh, even in places like where you are, Nairobi, especially in the government. Is corruption, integrity issues that you've kind of touched on, something that you talk about related to a biblical perspective? We generally have a systemic corruption issue that stems to individual level, not just a government level. And so we, we begin addressing it from that level where even for so many Christians, it feels to them like a gray line and not like a black and white line. When it comes to paying an extra fee for facilitation 
for lack of a better word, or fast tracking a service by by giving some money somewhere. And it has become so common that we need to deal with it from an individual level before we even come to a government conversation. So a lot of our conversations are around what is God's view of integrity and what is he calling us to when it comes to integrity as individuals. And and how having the right view of a right world biblical worldview challenges some of those things. And it's been it's been nice having those conversations and seeing them beginning to take those stands individually. And and hopefully the more we do that with multiple individuals, the more this begins to have a change. Because we, we cannot address it at a government level if you've not dealt with the individuals. So exciting to hear how stories like you've told and shared have impacted not only the person that you're working with, and it's already beginning also to impact the community, the culture, and that really is at the heart of Resource Global's program. We're trying to help create change, and it starts with that individual. What has God been teaching you recently, personally? I think it's just to continue to trust in Him. Um, He's blown us away all through this journey. You know, we, we interviewed, we shortlisted people for the cohort, but we're still very nervous because you really don't know that they're the right people. And then you finally get to begin engaging them and you're like, for sure, God brought us the right group of people. And then we began praying for mentors. And again, you shortlist, you're sent for some recommendations here and there, but it's not people you know fully personally. And then you try and match them with different mentees and just seeing the mentees come back and, and say, this is what I've prayed for. This is the person I've been praying for. And just seeing, again, God coming through in each of those steps. There were periods when we, we had to close meeting physically and were ending up meeting in Zoom. We've been fortunate enough, unlike some of the other cities, to be able to meet most of the time in person. But still, that not killing the momentum. People still continue to engage joyfully, even when you can't meet in person. Seeing now as we come to an end, what their action plans are looking like and what they're believing and trusting in God to do. For me, it's just... God reminding me, trust, trust, trust me. Um, you do your bit and then trust me. Trust in what I'm doing. You may not see it, but I am the grand weaver. I'm weaving things across everything that's happening around you. And you may not be able to, to know because there's so much that has happened. So many organizations that we've ended up partnering with in the city that I can't attribute it to necessarily to anything we did. There's literally a church that we are now beginning to work with to help train their people who the person who reached out to us was a congregant from the church who stumbled upon our website. It was so coincidental. So there's nothing we even did, but it's just God bringing the right conversations, partnerships, people together. And it's been, it's been a great journey for me to just learn, to lean on him and trust him. He, he loves what we're doing more than we do. So he's more invested than we are, and, and he's taking care of the journey. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, finally, you know, we have folks listening all around the world. How can we be praying for you and your work in the coming days in Nairobi? And I think the first would be praying for this amazing cohort as they're about to graduate, that God just helps. They're, they're doing their action plans now. And some of the things God is laying in their heart feels scary for them. Again, some of those things like systemic integrity issues, trying to influence an industry, try to change a broken system, um, that God would give them peace in their hearts. 
uh, and bring the right people their way to cause those dreams to actually happen. Uh, but even as we continue to seek to cause this movement to happen in Nairobi, that he will continue to bring the right partnerships, conversations, people our way. As Resource Global alone, we wouldn't be able to make the kind of dent we want to make in the city. But we want to work with churches, with organizations, with individuals who are passionate about what we're passionate about, so that then we can see a wave of change in the city. Um, so that God would use us as a catalyst, as a simple catalyst, and because of our presence, the movement begins to happen. Well, as you've heard, the movement has already begun. What an amazing thing to see how God uses one life to sow into others and then ultimately begin change in an entire community. That's at the heart of the mission of Resource Global, training young leaders in matters of work and faith who in turn begin to impact their city for Christ. Well, there's several things that stood out to me about my conversation today with Mwange. First, I loved his quote, it's not enough not to be part of the problem, we must be part of the solution. Mwangi is training young men and women to not be satisfied with the status quo or the way things have always been, but to use biblical truth tied together with integrity to create change. Number two, don't sit idle too long. Mwangi was quick to get involved in some work, even if it was volunteering, until God opened the next door for him. If you're sitting around waiting for God to drop something in your lap, you might just consider doing something that might be a benefit to others in the meantime. Number three, as Mwange made himself available to the Lord, the Lord used his gifting not only to provide fulfillment to him, but to help those in the cohort program, local churches interested in this kind of ministry, and ultimately the business community itself. And finally, take a few moments to pray for Mwange and these cohorts that are graduating from the program this month. They are already making an impact where they are, but they also have plans that the Lord has laid on their hearts to make a difference for years to come. Pray that the Lord would use their gifts and talents to point people to Christ. Well, that's our time for this week. Next week, we're gonna take a look at some recent research about the future of missions. It's both encouraging and concerning. We'll learn more together next week here on Missions Today. Well, if you've enjoyed the podcast today, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, rate it, and leave a review on iTunes. If you have feedback for me, I'd love to hear from you as well. Email me at clambert at missionstoday.com. That's clambert at missionstoday.com. And be sure to follow us on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Missions Today Radio. Missions Today is a production of Resource Global. I'm Colin Lambert, and I'll see you next week.